Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Ardina Osband, here with my friend and Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our dap today, Masachet Chagiga, dap tet, page nine. Now the Gemara gets into an interesting discussion by starting with a Mishnah that involves the issue of tashlumim, of making things up, right? What happens if you miss doing an obligation or a mitzvah? Can you actually make it up? And as we know, the Shlomi Chagiga should be given on the first day of Chag, um, but what happens if somebody was unable to do so? And so the Mishnah reads as follows. Right? Somebody who did not chag. I love, I love how this Mishnah is written. But basically, somebody didn't bring the chagiga uh, on the first day of Yom Tov. Um, and here, shel chag is referring specifically to, um, to Sukkot. When it uses the word chag this way, it means uh, Sukkot. Um, and, uh, you know, so one of the questions is, is why is it that the Mishnah specifically deals with Sukkot and not like and not with Pesach? Um, because we're going to see that the final day, yes, Sukkot and Pesach both end. They start with the Chag, a day of Chag, and they end with the day of Chag. But the final Yom Tov day of Sukkot is an eighth day, right, which we call Shemini Atzeret. And Shemini Atzeret is really treated as sort of its own separate holiday. So one of the so we'll see. That's going to be important uh, in terms of the question of Tashlimim, of making the Chagiga up. So let's say it's Sukkot. You didn't bring the Shlame Chagiga on the first day of Sukkot. Chogeg, it's called Haregel, right? You can offer the Chagiga at any time during the rest of Sukkot. The Yom Tov HaAchron Shalchag. And even on the last day of Sukkot, which is really not Sukkot, it's really its own holiday of Shemini Atzeret. And that's really the Chiddush here of the Tashlumim, is that you didn't. You were even allowed to give it on a day that's not really Sukkot. Avar um, ha But let's say the entire festival passed, all of Sukkot and Shmini Atzeret passed, and you still did not bring the korban chagiga. You're not responsible for it. In other words, you can no longer make it up. And on this it says, Right? A crooked thing cannot be straightened and a, and a a lack or missing something cannot be counted. A very, very famous halachic principle, right? It comes from Kohela chapter one, verse 15. Um, and, and you're going to talk about that a little bit more. But the idea is there are some things you can just not fix. Also the title of a very famous Shayag known book. Um, but it's sort of a very, uh, it's a very Jewish uh, 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 a concept. Um, okay. Um, and so then they're going to go on to explain this, this particular, uh, pasuk, Rabbi Shimon ben Menasio, Mayor Rabbi Shimon ben Menasio says, What is a crooked thing that cannot be fixed or straightened? Um, this refers to somebody who lives with an erva, right? So in other words, we know that we have a list of all these forbidden sexual relations. And if a child is a product of that forbidden sexual relation, they have the status of a uh, of of a mamzer, uh, okay. Im tomar right? If you say that it refers to somebody who robs, um, right? right? Somebody can always go back and and give back what it is that they stole. So in other words, it, it that can't be what it refers to. Um, and then another approach to how we explain this uh, pasuk, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai Omer, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai says. One isn't called crooked unless he was straight. Very, very metaphorically. This is a 
color who forsakes the Torah. So coming from Shimon ben Yochai, this isn't a particular halachic scenario, but this is more about a way of life, right? It's about that you uh, were on the straight and narrow, no longer were, you sort of can't go back. Once you become that, you do something, you know, crooked. Now, I think this says a lot about teshuva, right? That there sort of isn't a possibility uh, 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 of teshuva. So that's sort of interesting. Okay, but let's get back to our issue of teshlumen. And so now the Gemara wants to bring the source. How do we know that you can make it up if you didn't bring the, the shlame chagiga on the first day of Chag? Why is it that you can bring it on subsequent days? Right? Where do we derive this from? I'm a Rabbi Yochanan Mishun Rabbi Shmal. So Rabbi Yochanan says the name Rabbi Shmal. The word atzeret is stated when it talks about the seventh day of Pesach, um, and that is in Devarim chapter 16, verse 8. And the word atzeret is also used talking about the eighth day of Sukkot, right, which is Shemini atzeret, and that's in Vayikra chapter 23, verse 36, and also in Bamidbar chapter 29, verse 35, right? And so this Gezerah Shava. Right, we're using this principle where we link word to word a word as it appears in two places. Just as with on the seventh day of Pesach, we can use it for compensation. So too, we can also use the eighth day of Sukkot, which technically is its own separate holiday for Teshlumin. So what's interesting about this is is that it's the 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 source that they're bringing, the proof that they're bringing is not that you can do Teshlumim at all. That's actually a given. Of course you can make it up. It's that the fact that you could do it on Shemini Atzeret, that needs its own proof. And so I find it interesting that the concept of Teshlumim is not what's being debated here. What's being debated by this, or what's being explained by this Mishnah is, is the fact that you could do Teshlumim for Sukkot on Shemini Atzeret. And Gemara goes on to explain the Gezer Shav a little bit more. Mifuna, right? Uh, this word atzeret has to be free to establish the kazera shava. For if it wasn't free, right? We could actually uh, refute this. In other words, what we mean by mifuna is that this word atzeret, this kazera shava, it can't be for anything else. This wording of atzeret atzeret is here just simply to teach this halacha. Malishvi shall pesach, right? Because you could say just like with shvi shall pesach, kain eno chaluk mishmanav which is not different from the Chag that preceded it. In other words, it's really part of Pesach. Tamar Bashmini Shachag, can you say that that's true about the eighth day of Sukkot? Shachaluk Kashmini Atzeret is really its own separate holiday, right? And so therefore, Lab Afune Mufune. So therefore, yes, indeed, this word Atzeret is certainly free. You need this word Atzeret to establish the Gezerah Shava. Mikhteh, now. My atzeret. What is the meaning of atzeret? Atzur ba'asiyat melacha. It means refraining atzur from doing melacha. Haktiv lo tasa melacha. Right? Because it's written you should not do melacha. This is a pasuk from Devarim uh, 16.8 where it says, Ubayom ha-shvi'i atzeret la'asha melacha lo tasa melacha. On the seventh day of Pesach, you're not going to do any work. Atzeret dechtab rachman alamali. Why do I need the word atzeret? Right? El ha-shma minei lafune. Rather, we learn from this to treat the word atzeret as free, right? The word atzeret here really appears um, to teach us, right? If uh, We didn't need to call the seventh day an atzeret. We could have just said, Yom Why does the word atzeret has to be there? So that when the word atzeret appears for Sukkot, we can learn this particular Gezerah uh, uh, Shabbat. Um, and then the Gemara goes on to give us another explanation, right? 
There's a Tana who learns it actually from here that the Chagiga of Sukkot can even be brought on Shemini Atzeret. Right, so they quote now a different pasuk from Vayikra, chapter 23, verse 41, uh, right, that basically says you shall celebrate it by bringing the Chagiga as a festival for Hashem for the seven-day period, right? And so then maybe one could continue bringing the Chagiga for all seven days, Talmud Lomar Oto, celebrate it, Oto Atachogeg, right? You only... Uh, it, the one day you should celebrate by being in the Chagiga, and you should not celebrate it on all seven days by bringing the Chagiga. So then the question is, why does it even mention the word seven? To teach us that you actually can do Tashlumen, right? And from where do we know that if you didn't bring the Chagiga on the first day of Sukkot, that you're allowed to actually bring the Chagiga, the entire festival, and even on Shemini Atzeret, Tamud Lomar, Tachugu Oto, right? Because it says on the seventh month, you shall celebrate it by bringing the Chagiga, right? Um, and so by using the word Chodesh, um, this, this sort of implies that even after the seven days, you could still do of Sukkot, you could still test Shlumim. right? If the phrase in the seventh of the month, right, is the time when the Chagiga can be given, then maybe you could bring, you could make up the Korban Chagiga the entire month of Tishrei. Tamud Lamar Oto, meaning Oto, Oto Atachogeg, it meaning only when you are celebrating. But after the point of celebration, meaning after Shemini Atzeret, you can no longer bring it. So again, a very different source. But this one, I think, is a little bit more interesting because this, I think, actually fundamentally wants to prove this Tanitic source that you can do Tashlumim at all. Whereas the first source that the Gemara brings, it's just assumed that Tashlumim is okay. So an interesting Gemara, I think that talks about sort of, you know, uh, how do we make things up? The Chiddush of the Shemini Atzeret sort of can be considered part of Sukkot too, um, and two different sources for this as well. Okay, so I feel like Tashlumen is a topic that, meaning as a concept, is is kind of wonderful, and um, I think it's also part of the way we relate to basically everything we do these days, right? Meaning the idea that something can be undone, especially when Things are online, right? Like you can fix things or you can take something down and put it back up and and no harm done kind of thing. And I feel like Tashlumen is an early recognition of the idea that you can make something up and and that's okay, right? Meaning maybe it's not ideal, but it's it's close, right? Like you're you're really doing the thing, right? That I think is an important understanding of Tashlumen means that you by by definition, you are doing the thing that you missed doing, right? It's not just like it's not like an apology afterwards. You're actually, you know, changing the the accomplishment that you, you know, that you missed out on. But now you have done it. Um, perhaps that's redundant, but that that's to me that's a key part of understanding tashlumin. Now we get to the depressing part, right? Because you can't do tashlumin for everything, and what that says and how we relate to those things for which you cannot make up, you cannot. You know, if you blow it, you blow it. If it's, you can't come back and fix it. So on the one hand, I find this depressing. And on the other hand, I think that it changes the, our relationship to certain things. So let's see the text inside. Um, I'm on, I'm a bet. Um, it's a long enough daf that this is kind of towards the middle. Avar ha-regel, 
<coughs> excuse me. I know Chayav Bafriyoto. Right? If you right the the this is the the same teaching from the Mishnah, right? That the the festival comes and it passes and you didn't chag, you didn't um celebrate, you didn't offer your korban, you didn't offer your sacrifice. You do not have to pay any mean to make up for it. You're not obligated. The question, of course, that is going to be, but can you? You know, the verse, the proof text here from Kohelet from Ecclesiastes suggests that it's not just that you're not obligated. It sounds like you can't really, you really can't do it. Namely, the verse says that that which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is um, which is lacking cannot be numbered. And on the one hand, the verse from Kohelet is all nice and philosophical, but it also really makes this point, you know, that that you didn't do it. This is one of those things that you blew it and you cannot come back and fix it because the entirety of the holiday is passed. Amarle bar Now, we love bar and his colleague bar Ben Bagbag. We're going to come back to them in just a moment. I just want to say what he, see what he says, right? So Amarle bar lahilo. So he says to Hillel, Hi, Lihimanot. He says he's coming to this verse, the last word of this verse, Lihimanot, which he translated and we understand to be to be numbered, like to monet, to count each thing, right? So Barhei says to Hillel that if that's correct, meaning if that's what it really means, that it's that it's not right. Lihimalot mi It should say to be filled. Why to be filled? So we're not really quite so the the idea of it being that to say that we should be it should be filled right um, is to say that you can't the difference between saying you should be counted versus the whole thing should be filled up right like that you can when you can do teflumin it's like you're uh, filling it up like you're taking the place of what's there right um, I hope I'm explaining this okay. I, I feel like I'm not because the text here is a little bit. Um, well, let's go on and we'll come back if we, if we need to. So then, what happens is he says, "When it, the the verse is talking about people who have come to a consensus, namely manauhu, that they kind of all put their voices together and they were counted towards that. It's the same root, right?" At Lidvar Mitzvah, they came together for this. He was not counted among them. He was not in their consensus. And what does that mean? He missed out on the opportunity to participate in this mitzvah, right? So he he isn't in it, right? And what that means then is he's not part of the community. And the moment he's not part of the community, right? He's not part of that congregation, so to speak, or that's why I guess it calls it a consensus, right? Then, then he's not counted meaning his his opportunity to bring the korban is a completely different um identity for the korban meaning you can't do tashlumin for something that's a congreg- congregational thing to begin with i'm going to pause here and come and talk about barhehe and then we'll come back to this topic barhehe so who is he he and his colleague ben bagbag apparently or at least according to the tradition is that they were both converts and Perhaps they were converted by Hillel, which, you know, makes this conversation between Barhehe and, and Hillel to be, you know, quite, um, I would say, refreshing, right? Because it means that Barhehe is perfectly happy to, 
come to Hillel and say, I don't think this makes sense, right? He's he's being frank. He's being um, sincere in his approach to the material that he is learning. Um, and then perhaps these are the same people who are converted by Hillel when Shammai, you know, suggested that that is not appropriate. We saw this back on Masachat Shabbat, Daf Lamed. Okay, why hey hey? Well, perhaps hey hey is exactly the indication that he is in fact a gear, that he's a convert. Why? Because the same way that Avraham, right, who has a hey added to his name when he himself, um, you know, is he's, he has his, Avraham has his name changed by God, right? That upon his um, breach and everything like this, God adds the hey to his name from Avram to Avraham. So then the letter hey in Ben Hey's name, or the two of them actually, um, alludes to this idea of, um, I guess, drawing near to God the same way that Avraham did, the same way that Avraham in this way was quote unquote a convert. I don't want to take it too far. Um, and then the other possibility is that it's it's really a pseudonym, right? I mean, I don't think that's any I don't think there's any question that it's a pseudonym. Either Barhehe is like an honorary name because of to give him honor for the fact that he converted, you know, to praise him for that, or perhaps um, and there's a discussion of him or he appears rather in Masachet Avot at the end of Avot, where maybe he's um hiding, you know, hiding from the government or from the Romans, right? Whatever. Where again the idea is. This is not his name, so he can talk freely because his real identity is is um, hidden. Okay, so I want to just hit the the meat, I think, of this discussion of Tashlumin, because the Gemara goes on to say, right? That which is crooked cannot be made straight. That which is lacking cannot be numbered, right? So the question is, you know, the Gemara, we haven't seen this in some time, I think, actually, where the Gemara will take the biblical verse and apply it to scenarios in a way to say, like, this is referring to this whole complex halachic situation. And that's exactly what happens here. The Gemara says, when it says that which is crooked cannot be made straight. It's talking about somebody who missed out saying Kriyachma of the morning or Kriyachma of the evening or did not daven, did not have tefillah of the morning or tefillah, again, the prayer of the evening. And then, that same half of the verse, and then that last part, it goes back to this position that, again, from Ben Hei, from Ben that the idea that one who could have been part of the consensus and yet was not was held back, so or held apart rather. So when I when I say, let's see if we can, you know, understand exactly what does it mean that Ben Hei says it should be le malot, it should have been to be filled. I think the idea here is that. You know, if everybody is participating, then you can talk about something being filled, right? The Gemara goes, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's too abstract, but to me, that's what makes sense here. As opposed to individuals being counted, you now have, let's say, the volume of the people is a quantifiably, uh, qualifiably different kind of entity because it's not countable. Okay, the Gemara then goes on. We've got another conversation between, for Barhehe, um, a few more, and then with that, we'll close, although there's a few discussions here. He's an entertaining personality, I think. Amar lei bar hei hei 
מהי דכתיב ושבתם ואיתם בן צדיק לרשע בן עובד לאלוקים לאשר לא עבדו? So Barhei says to Hillel, what does this verse mean? It's a, פסק, it's a verse in Malachi that you should discern between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. היינו צדיק, היינו עובד אלוקים. היינו רשע, היינו אשר לא עבדו. Meaning, what's עבדו, rather. Right, the, the idea is then that we have, right, we have redundancy, we have um, repetition in this verse, because righteous is what, that's what it means to say, is one who serves, serves God. And one who is wicked is the same as one who does not. Now, under other circumstances, we would say, The verse in Malachi is, is biblical poetry, and biblical poetry has parallelism and often has repetition, and that's part of the beauty of it. But here he wants to be um, careful, specific, and infer from each term. One second. So, so Hillel says back to him, serving God and not serving God, according to Hillel, is referring to people who are completely righteous. What does that mean? The distinction between, and I love this, right? The idea that, and it's a famous line, right? That the caliber of one who does his review a hundred times versus one who does it a hundred and one times, meaning The difference is the 101 person, the person who's going to the nth degree and keeps going is, you know, serving God as a person, the one who is, who stops at a hundred times and that's, you know, sufficient for him. And that's not, and that's, um, and that's, you know, not serving God, whatever this means, right? Amarle, so Barhe says back to him, and Barhe says, you're talking about the distinction of one, like one extra time he should have reviewed and, and you're going to say that he's not serving God? Amarle'in, Hillel says, yes. You think, we all think of Hillel as the lenient guy, but here not so much. Say, Ulamad, Mishuk Shul Chamarin, Asara Parsei Bezuza, Chadasar Parsei Betrei Zuza. He says, go learn this from the marketplace of the donkeys, where they sell the donkeys or the, the carts, right? The drivers of donkeys. You could hire one driver to travel 10 parsei. I guess that's a parasang, whatever, for one dinar. But he'll go 11 for only two dinars. Meaning the difference is that once you've got a difference, meaning if everything is at the level of 100, then the moment you go beyond that to 101, you have, you know, distinguished yourself to a real difference. And the, and the proof of the donkey drivers is that, you know, he gets double the pay for just a little bit extra work. Um, and then lastly, actually, I'm going to stop now. There's, there's a nice story here between um, Eliyahu and Avi, the Elijah the prophet comes and talks to Barhehe, but I want to stop and just make a comment about what's happening here, why these Barhehe stories make sense in the context, or to me, they make sense anyway, in the discussion of the Tashlumim, right? Like, when can you fix something and when can you not fix something? And on the one hand, there's a the technical side of it, meaning can you replace a korban, can you, can you make up, rather, a korban that you didn't bring now that the time is over? And sometimes the answer is just simply you cannot, right? And that's it. You just cannot do it. But then there's other times where you put in that extra effort and it makes all the difference. And I feel like that's an important lesson that comes out of the parallel or, you know, the, the contrast between the tzaddik who is serving God in the Ben-Hei Hillel story as compared to somebody who 
unfortunately cannot make up the thing that he missed, whether that's Shema or Tefillah or, for that matter, bringing a korban on Yontif. So, um, you know, I think this is a difficult concept to come to terms with. Like, there are times that we do something or don't do something and we just cannot make it up, right? There isn't always an opportunity uh, to make it better. Um, And I think this is like a fundamental existential question that we live with, right? And how do you not live with regret or say that you, you know, did the best that you could, even though you maybe lost an opportunity to do something? (coughs) Sorry. No, I just wanted to, to note that I think that, and I alluded to this at the beginning, when you can't make something up, sometimes it heightens a person's um, um, investment and awareness of what they're doing in a way that actually, um, I don't know, maybe sometimes it's even more precious, let's say, because you put, you know that you can't make it up, so you put in that much more, and hopefully you get that much more out of it as well, which is maybe sometimes a little bit different than like, oh, don't worry about it, we can always fix it later. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hondren website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.